Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. I'm going to open one up. Your boy ain't got to open one up because he's in a car. I don't even think you're allowed to have a beer in a car if it's sitting. So don't be drinking, all right? It's a Sunday afternoon. We're all on lockdown. This is the first episode that I am officially recording since being on lockdown. We've all been in this for about a month now. Some people longer, some people shorter, but around a month. I had, uh, luckily, before all this stuff went down, I had a feeling that I wasn't going to be able to record episodes for a while, so I recorded a bunch. And now I'm finally running out. It doesn't look like we're going to be able, able to go anywhere anytime soon, so now I've set this up at the house, and I'm recording my first quarantine episode today with my new friend who I just met literally 30 seconds ago and now we're we're talking on live chat like we've been fucking uh family for 15 years or some shit like that so make some noise introduce yourself what's up y'all I'm Labyrinthine Pittsburgh Pennsylvania local hip-hop artist and happy to be here yo it's so good to talk with you my boy Rick Topping, who is a friend of the show, previous guest on the podcast. He was on a long time ago. One of the first people I had on, actually, uh, sent me a link to the project that, how is it pronounced? Labyrinthine? Labyrinthine. 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 Kind of like you would say cyanide, you know, cyanide. Okay. Labyrinthine. Okay. It takes, a, it takes a couple times. I mean, I know a few people, they see my name and people are so prone to say labyrinth or labyrinth or whatever, but you know, there's a story behind that. (laughs) We'll get into it. I would love to know more about that, but yeah, dude. So you mentioned that you are a local hip hop artist and Rick had sent me a link to a song that I guess he helped you with that he was on. That's on your project. And I listened to the song and I was like, this is tight. I like this. I haven't heard anything like this in a while, especially from Pittsburgh. And then I just oh, kept listening. You. I kept listening to. It. I listened to the whole fucking thing, and I was like, "Fuck, I want to talk to this dude. Is this dude local? I wasn't sure if it was somebody that Rick knew, maybe from the internet that you know lives in like Kansas or something. But no, you're from <laughs> here, so I was so like, "Fuck, we've, man." We've known each other about. We've known each other eighteen years now, since uh, two thousand two. That's what's up, man. Were you doing music back then? No, no, I. <laughs> Uh, that's a that's something I was never prepared for when I first got into music because people are always like they tend to like ask first like so were you in a band or did anything I'm like no I'm not in a band I for whatever reason I never had the desire to pick up an instrument and learn an instrument my desire was always you know a notebook and a pencil that's what's up I totally understand uh so when did you start doing the rap stuff then well, I I was always like writing poetry as a kid, and then I got into trying to write songs. And, you know, even though hip-hop is my first love, you know, I like all genres. You know, I like pretty much everything except country, like pop country, <laughs> um, like rock, metal, and all that. So I was trying to write metal songs and rock songs. And when I first got fell in love with hip-hop at like 11 years old, I really loved the the space it has for lyricism compared to other genres. And it plus it allows you to go into detail so much more. And that's always been my thing. So that's why I kind of, you know, always lean more towards hip hop than any other genres. Like I said, I never had the desire to pick up an instrument. I just love writing rhymes. And it was something I kept secret to myself for a long time. Cause you know, mm. confidence level and kind of like, uh, I don't know if this is good or anybody would like it. So, you know, when I finally did get around to doing it, I came pretty late into the game. You know, I'm about to turn 36 next month. And happy I birthday. started when I, yeah. <laughs> and I started when I was 32. So no I was sure, okay. like, uh, I'm, I'm coming pretty late into the game, but I've been writing rhymes since I was a little kid. So, you know, I, I felt like I had <laughs> that going for me. 
That's what's up. I could definitely hear a lot of influence in your music. That was something that really drew me to it because much like you, I make hip hop as well, but I'm somebody that listens to a bunch of different music. It's so funny. I make hip hop, but it's probably the genre of music I listen to the least in comparison to everything else. But much like you, I liked approaching hip hop from that storytelling standpoint. Like you really get to flush out a narrative of what you're trying to do, Um, which is exactly exactly. That's something that I think. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, there's a. The one thing that I think that I need to get used to is that that lag. You know, you're not hearing me in real time. Yeah. Takes that extra second. Okay. So it's it's always like, okay, I need to be a little bit more patient. But anyways, speaking of patient, you uh, obviously had some patience to wait until you were 32 to start doing this stuff. Not really patience. It was more uh, uh, insecurity. It was insecurity and a few other things. Fair enough. So what, if you could get into it, do you think allowed you to finally go public, you know, start, start recording, start making it happen? Uh, I mean, if, if you don't mind me being real with you, I'll, I'll be real with you. No, please. I'm honored please. and flattered you invited me on your show. So I feel like I owe it to you to be as truthful as possible. Yeah, please. Um, Basically, about 10 years ago, uh, I always knew I had OCD, and I know when I got when I finally did learn I have it, I know it's one of those things where it's got, like a, they say, a thousand faces. You know, everybody's got OCD in a different way. It doesn't always mean you're a clean freak. You'd be obsessed with anything. And I let mine get to the point where I was suicidal. I had anxiety and depression. I weighed like a hundred and... 24 pounds and i ended up having to go into a psychiatric ward for a good three months and i've said before god bless rick topping because when i went through that he was so supportive of me and he would actually i I would call his house from the hospital and once in a while he'd even call me to say how you're doing and stuff and then when i got out i wanted to take a complete 180 with my life so i met a girl got a good job did the whole American, the whole American dream kind of idea. You know, you meet someone, you get a good job, you buy a house, you get the cars, you have the kids, you know, and, um, we were together till uh, I was about 32 and then it fell apart Mm -hmm. and it didn't fall apart well. And I was really reeling from it because I didn't know what to do. And I went over Rick's house and even though I wasn't as bad as I was back then, Rick had seen me at that level where I was like in at that dark place. So it was kind of like, it's kind of like he could tell. So basically he told me, he said, Hey, you know, if you are still interested in recording, cause I was like, Hey, you know, I feel like I got nothing else better to do with my life now. I feel like everything took a 180." Um, he said, I know a guy named Matt Shore. He records and, you know, he's got a home studio. Maybe you could hook up with him. I know he'd, he'd be patient with you and be able to teach you stuff. So I, I did, and I was very thankful. And I went and met Matt Shore. And it was funny because when he walked in, the first thing he said to me was, look, I'm going to be real with you. I've never recorded hip-hop my whole life. <laughs> I've never even really listened to hip-hop. The only hip-hop I listened to ever was Beastie Boys. So... <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm excited to try something new, something different. And, uh, at first I thought it was going to be, you know, like, Oh God, you know, what, what am I going to do? I'm trying to record rap for the first time ever with someone who's never recorded rap ever. Um, but for whatever reason it worked and we recorded my first song and I played it for Rick and he's like, there you go. Finally, after all these years, you got to keep going now. And I did and made an EP and looking back on it, you know, when you start making music, like most people, you know, the first time you make something, you're so fucking proud of it. But then when you go back years later and listen to it, you're like, oh, this could have been so much better. God, you know, you hear all the, you hear all the infections that nobody else hears. And you're like, oh, I could have done this so much better. Uh But 
at the time, a lot of people told me when they first heard it, they were like, dude, you got a lot of potential here. You really need to stick with this. You need to keep going. So I've been doing that the last four years. I've basically been dedicating my 30s to making up for that lost time. And like I said, I feel like I'm coming into the game, but I feel like I've got good people around me. And I've also got a lot of knowledge from a lot of people who've been doing music for years. So they're really helping me a lot. And I'm just trying to do the best I can. Yeah. I think that, you know, that idea of it coming in late into the game, I don't think that that really exists because there's a plenty of people in your age range. I'm a couple years younger than you. I'm 34, turning 35 this year. I'm still listening to shit like this. I still want to hear it. And people that you know still want to hear it. You still want to hear it. You want to make it. I just feel <laughs> like we're just making music for people that are still our peers in our age range. We're just getting a little older. It's really all it yeah. is. Well, I don't mean it. I meant for my own personal. I gotcha. A lot of people are doing music. You might have, maybe you're 34 now, but for all I know, you've been making music probably since you were a teenager. Totally. Or your 20s. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't making music period was 32 <laughs> so that's why i kind of feel like i'm coming late into the game in that aspect i think that it's so huge just to have the right environment and the right people around you when you're trying to do something like this you know mm -hmm. and i feel that you know it seems that you're in that position right now and that you've been able to put out you know this ep which i just heard we should talk about that a bit um, because it does seem like, you know, you can hear all of the, there's like a weight to it that I can't quite explain, but it just feels very genuine and raw and it doesn't feel like it's coming from the place of somebody that, you know, hasn't lived a life. You could tell that there's a lot that went into it. So well, thank you. Thank you. What can you really appreciate? That. You got it, man. Definitely. I, I hear a lot of music for sure. So I, 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 I'm not just saying that to say it. I hear a lot of stuff. So with I, that, I really appreciate that. Thank you. With, with that being said, uh, let's talk about that, that EP. Why don't you tell people about it where they can listen to it? It's called Pennsylvania Gothic. It's uh, six songs. It's uh, available on all streaming platforms, and uh, there is plans for physical copies such as vinyl, CD, and cassette. Yeah, um, even cassette. Just because I'm, 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 I know change and evolution. I'm all for it and everything. I'm not totally about living in the past, but my attitude is, you know what? I've been making music for four years. I've still yet to have any physical copies, and the response I've gotten from this one has been so phenomenal that. I know there is a demand for physical copies, so they are coming, but it's, of course, as soon as this uh, quarantine is over. Yeah. I, That's I, the only thing holding it up. Uh, in addition to uh, our buddy Rick Topping being on the EP, I noticed there was a guest spot from the worst person ever, Zosha. <laughs> <laughs> of Reign of Z. Shout-outs shout outs to Zosha. Uh, oh, I love her. Yeah. Death. I love her to death, and Rick Topping actually introduced us because... um. Yes, song called Where the Banshees Wail. And when I was making the song, something told me I uh, a woman singing this song, you know, because, you know, figure Banshee. Um, someone made me with like a metal, growly kind of voice. So I called Rick and I said, Do you know anybody? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> That's exactly how he said it. And when he said it, I could tell the facial expression he was making when he said it, just by the way he said it. And I, uh, he hooked me with the information, Zosha. I met Zosha. She came to my studio uh, with Steven Berg, and uh, we've had a great relationship since. Uh, she did she she did another song with me, actually a Halloween song that we did for fun called Witch's Meadow. And also, we are currently working on a metal remix of an older song that I did a few years ago that we're really excited about and like i said the only thing we need to do is wait for the quarantine to end so we can finish it but really excited about it it's going to be really heavy and really cool and different that's what's up i'm glad to hear that you know you're spending your lockdown time remaining productive and doing what you can i feel like that's the best thing that any of us can do right now yeah, my my notebook is my my notebook and my uh, music on my phone is my saving grace right now. Mm -hmm. 
pretty much. Um, I've been pouring into the notebook the last month, just doing a ton of writing. With excuse not to. Definitely, there's definitely not an excuse. I don't know how you feel about this, but it's one thing for an artist to put out good music, but to actually like sit down with them, talk to them, get to know them just a little bit and like find out who they are as a person makes me give more of a shit about that. You know, just like seeing how they are in real life. Like this is a real thing. This isn't just, uh, yeah. you know, just some shit that somebody did in the studio and slapped auto tune on it and, you know, bought a beat off YouTube or whatever. <laughs> and like, you know, it's like, is this like, what is this? This isn't, you know, are you, did you make this music or did a computer make this music and you put your face on it? It's all, you know, vice versa. I've had that problem because I guess people who've known me my my whole life, the way I talk and everything, when they hear my music, they're like, wait a minute, is that you? I'm like, (laughs) yeah, why wouldn't it be me? And they're like, it doesn't sound like you. And I'm like, well, because I'm, rapping <laughs> you know i'm not talking like i'm talking to you I'm, and it's happened so much i'm like do people think i'm millie vanillying this shit sure. like, do they think I'm getting somebody else to do this and i'm just trying to pass it off as my own it's like no that's my voice and they're like oh i play in a i play in a metal band it's outside of my hip-hop stuff that i do and every time i meet new people especially like people that come through the podcast they're like oh you play in a metal band I'm like, yeah, and I'll tell them about it. And then they go check it out. And they're like, is that you? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, but you, you're always in such a good mood. Why do you sound so angry? I'm like, it's heavy metal. It's supposed to be angry. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And I do horrorcore. And horrorcore is supposed to. With, you know, the genre horrorcore, I feel that there's a stigma against some artists that make music in that genre. Um, how do you feel about that? You know, do you feel like you make horror core because that's just what I want to make and this is what I fuck with? Or do you feel that it's just the closest thing? It's the easiest way to describe what you do. So that's why you put that label on it. Um, honestly, it just stems from the fact that I heard it as a kid and I fell in love with it and I loved how outside the box it is and it's i know ever since its creation it's always been viewed as like the redheaded stepchild of hip-hop period yeah one kind of looks at like disregards but to me that that really stems from the fact of a lot of stereotypes and i think it's a lot of similar to people who do metal yeah i can i can hear that as well i it's always so interesting to me because you know, at one point in time, hip-hop was counterculture. It was different. It was challenging. It was scary to the music world. And now, it's the biggest That's thing. That's why I fell in love with it. Yeah, it's the <laughs> biggest thing in the world now. You know what I mean? It's not weird to be making hip-hop. It's not weird for all the top 40 stuff. So much of it is hip-hop, rap, influence stuff. So... It's funny now when you still have music in the realm of hip hop, like a horror core that kind of adheres to those classic traits, I feel, of being like counterculture, off the grid, different. And then people are like, eh, fuck that. It's like, why? Yeah. Why? I'm telling you, we're going to definitely play a show together. We're going to do another one of these in person. We'll, uh, you know, eat a burrito or a taco you a taco or a burrito <laughs> guy let's let's get the hard questions out of the way so what's up i said are you a taco guy or a burrito guy i'm a taco guy okay i'm a taco guy <laughs> any specific reason i don't know i i actually that's a pretty unexplainable thing for me i <laughs> like burritos i just you know i don't know if i had a choice between burrito and taco i'll take the taco yeah, I think I'm more of a taco guy as well. Burritos sometimes it's either it's either way too much or not enough. Yeah. And you can't like save half a burrito, but you could just not eat one taco and save it. Yeah, exactly. You can balance it out. <laughs> like, uh, I could have one big burrito or I could have three or four tacos. You know, maybe I'll only want three, maybe I'll want four. Who knows? Maybe I'll want five. Or you could get real weird, Normal. and all those tacos can be a little different. Yeah, 
And that's the beauty. You could decorate them however you want. You could decorate three or four different tacos in a different way as opposed to a burrito, which you can only decorate once. Uh huh. It's kind of like putting together an album in a way. You know, if each taco is its own song. That is actually shockingly well put. That's shockingly <laughs> well put. It couldn't be that way. So you try to make every song, you don't want every song to sound the same. You want there to be like a, a, a landscape to it. You don't want it to just be a flat line or predictable. You want to kind of go in one direction and go another. Yeah, I always, tacos is a funny way to put it. I never thought about it like that. How I normally think about it is a roller coaster. You want your yeah you know, you want your album. anticipation of going up uh-huh. up up oh my god I'm here I'm here yeah I'll tell you what like dude I'm I'm obviously I'm missing social interaction I'm missing shows for sure but oh yeah dude if I can't ride a fucking roller coaster this summer I'm gonna I don't know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna freak out yeah it wouldn't <laughs> shock me if, if we can't. They're already talking about how they don't want to have live concerts. I mean, outdoor concerts until like fall of next year. Yeah, I've seen some stuff about that. I'm curious, like how much of that is facts and how much of that is just clickbait. Or fear effect. Yeah. Well, I mean, you make money off fear. It's a it's a profitable business. Fear. Yes, it is. Uh, And I mean, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll. not to get political, but it's like I'm not really much of a Trump supporter. Um, I'm a Democrat, and I just I keep getting flashbacks to uh, when 9/11 happened. You know, George Bush had like the lowest approval rating, but then they made the, they made America feel oh it's it's too dangerous to change presidents during this time of year. We're code orange, you know. It's it's we'll all be safer if we just keep the same president, you know. So I think that fear contributed to that. So. Yeah, that's really the case in my opinion. It's it's hard to know what's going on. I it's easy to make assumptions. I have no idea. I'm a fucking idiot, a Neanderthal, much like yourself. You know, I didn't <laughs> fucking spend my uh high school and call it I didn't even fucking go to college, but I didn't spend any time learning how government works and how politics go and I don't know any of it about anything. I'm so dumb when it comes yeah. to it, you know. Which is probably not a good thing. I should probably try to be a little bit more aware of what's going on now that like I'm getting older and I actually own things that the government could take from me. It was a lot different when I was 16 <laughs> and all I fucking owned yeah. was like a skateboard and some markers, you know. Now I actually have things. So I guess I should start paying attention. Yeah. With, totally. your, with your music and the stuff that's on the pennsylvania gothic release you know do you find yourself writing from more of a personal experience or do you find yourself really leaning into the horror core and writing from more of like a fantasy or a fictional standpoint or is it something that's like kind of like blending between the two horror in general much like the movie industry is just not viewed as art and you know, it's it has the stereotypes of like, you know, what you would say, blood or gore. Or there's no poetic value to them. To me, horrorcore or metal or any kind of genre that, you know, has the idea of being dark and grim can have poetic value. It's just how you go about doing it. Um, you know, it's like for me, where the Banshees Wail, the song I did with Zosha West the whole point of that song is addressing addiction and the idea of kind of comparing it to those old black and white movies from the day, you know, with the the swamps and the, and the fog and the idea that banshees, when you hear them wail, it's a signifying that death is coming for you. Uh, Combining that with what I felt was my sense of addiction and other people who I know about who went through addiction it's that idea that, you know, you find yourself mentally in that kind of environment and wondering, am I going to survive this or not? Or is this just my fate? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's just one example of how I try to incorporate poetic value into my music as opposed to just being, you know, so I try to be more in the gray area of it, in my opinion. I agree. I it's I come from a perspective when I'm writing that 
I want it to be personal. I want it to be relatable. Um, but I don't want it to be like so personal that it becomes unrelatable. So I feel like sometimes when you're writing, it's easy to do something that's really personal and nobody's going to get it because it's so about you. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, no, I, I mean, uh, you said you've heard the whole EP. Have you know the song Dark House and Sunrise? I don't. I listened to it in the background. I didn't like keep tabs on all the songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> song titles. Well, there's a song on there, Dark House and Sunrise. I can understand, you know, some people listening to it and thinking it's just a horror story. But in reality, that song's about dealing with my fear and guilt of my history of seizures. Okay. You know, I actually started having seizures five years ago. Wow. I haven't had them in years because I'm medicated. But when you have them, the thing you do learn about it is it's scarier for the people around you than it is for you because you just black out. Mm. You have no memory of it. It's the people around you who see you, you know, convulsing and go nowhere and they're scared. They don't know if you're dying or what's happening. And you just open your eyes as if only five seconds has gone by and you're like, wait, what just happened? But in reality, like 30 to 45 minutes went by. So that song not only is it is the house supposed to represent the ghosts of your my past or the ghosts of your past or anybody's past, and it's the idea that they live in this house. It's the idea that, you know, I have no idea where I've gone because like I said, I just black out. So from my point of view, maybe this is what I'm dealing with and maybe this is how I'm addressing those fears and that guilt complex of thinking, you know, in the beginning people some people were even afraid to be around me because they didn't know oh my god is he gonna have seizure or something like that so that definitely weighs on you so that's also part of me trying to address that and that's something i know unless i tell people about it or really explain something about it it's very rare if someone listens to that and kind of gets what i'm talking about you know so Mm -hmm. i totally understand what you mean when you try to make things personal and it's therapeutic for you but for most listeners, they kind of hear it and they don't really understand or it, it's not obvious to them where it's coming from or where it's rooted in. Yeah. Whenever I write, I try to, you know, walk that balance between I want my music and the people that listen to it to be able to connect it to something in their life. I don't want it to necessarily yeah. be so much about me even though it is my story and it is my song it's my fucking song i still want people yeah of course <laughs> i want uh the listener you know, i want to be able to engage a conversation it's like whenever you you know me and you are talking right now or you talk with anybody else it's like who wants to have a conversation with somebody that only wants to talk about themselves you know you got to be able to uh have empathy for the listener and be able to offer them something that's like hey i'm not just telling my story i'm telling your story and you didn't even realize that that was going to happen but now it's happening and i feel like that's how you really that's how you really connect with listeners and build a fan base is by figuring out how to tell the stories of people that you don't even know it's such a weird thing to think about i've never even thought about that that just came out of my head that's so weird but i guess no i I totally i totally agree with you and it's it's definitely something that I think after a couple of years of making music is something you kind of realize you need to do a little more, but at the same time, it gets to a point where you don't even realize you're really doing it. Like it just becomes second nature. Sure. So it's like, you know, and they will know now the song I did with Rick topping, you know, yeah, that's about me trying to come out of my shell and tell people, Hey, you know, I take this shit seriously. This is not just, obviously this is a genre of music where people don't really not many people make a full-time living doing it. So obviously for me to be doing it or, and putting the time and effort that I do, yeah, obviously it's like, okay, he's not doing it for the money. Clearly he's doing it because he loves it. And it's what makes him happy and gives him mental therapy. But at the same time, you feel like you're providing a song just like when I was a kid and I was going through something in my life and I put on a song and I just like for those few minutes or whatever, I forgot about what was ever bothering me or forgot about what was maybe scaring me or hindering me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. Dude. I'm hoping, you know, 
writing songs like that, you know, someone could be listening to that song right now thinking, wow, I've, I feel like getting up and getting it. Like, you know, I feel like going and running 10 miles or I yeah. feel like, you know, going for my dream or whatever. So that's something I know you try to, you do more as an artist because it's not just for you. It's for the people who listen because you might be helping yourself, but for all you know, you can be helping someone you've never met before in your life and making them feel better. It's so, that's so fucking crucial. I think to approach the music from that standpoint and do it because it's what you want to do. Even if you know that it's not the most popular or on trend or whatever, if it's, it's your fucking voice, you know, don't be ashamed of your voice, get that out there. And you know, if you're fucking with it, somebody else is going to like it. Maybe not as many people that might like a, a fucking Drake song, but to be honest with you, I don't really want to fuck with people that like Drake. It's just not my thing. It's just not for me. Like, no, no, I have no problem with champagne poppy. You know, he's doing his thing, but it's like, that's not who I make music for. And I always, it's like, uh, it's kind of like high school in a way, you know, it's like, do I want to be friends with everybody in high school or do I just want to be friends with the other two kids that also have corn t-shirts? I just want to be friends with the kids with the corn shirts. Fuck everybody else. Hell yeah. So like now, like when I'm thinking about the music that I'm making and who I'm making it for, I'm not making it for everybody in the school. I'm making my music for those two kids wearing the corn shirts. Well, now probably the people in their 30s still wearing the corn shirts. That's who I'm making my music (laughs) for, you know, like that's just that's who I am. And I don't need any new friends. I know who I am. I've liked the same shit that I've liked for, you know, the past two decades of my life at this point you know what i mean that's like the 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 youngest picture that i have of me uh is from my 10th birthday party and i'm wearing a white zombie t-shirt and i feel like i'm still the same fucking kid honestly like i know what you mean i know what you mean but i think also like i said one of the things with my the music i do horrorcore or somebody doing like real dark heavy metal or something like that. The idea that we have to follow certain guidelines or obey certain rules is really, I think what's hindered a lot of people. And it's what sometimes have made artists in those genres reject their community or feel like they've outgrown it and they want to go do something else. It doesn't mean that you can't go wider with it. Just because we do this doesn't mean we can't once in a while step out of our comfort zones, because when you do do that, you open yourself up to so many other possibilities absolutely in any genre of music i mean look at metallica you know when they first came out everyone thought they were the gods and all they did was go fast and then master of puppets comes along and they do you know more harmonics and things like on you know sanitarium which if you had done that right out the gate people would have been like what are you doing Mm -hmm. you know like you're not supposed to do that kind of stuff you're supposed to go fast and dark and heavy but, you know, just little examples like that, you know, if you, when you're willing to step out of your comfort zone, you open yourself up to so many other possibilities and it can make your music better. And it can also make the potential of somebody who you've never met before in your life who might have some of the similarities as you can listen to your music. And all of a sudden, it's almost like a gateway drug for them. Maybe they never liked this music before. Maybe they were never willing to give it a chance. But maybe when they heard you do it, it opened up and you were that gateway drug for them. So yeah, in, in, in a good way. Yeah, no, 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 totally. I've definitely had several circumstances where uh, people have come up to me after shows and just basically like, you know, I don't listen to a lot of rap, but I thought what you did was really cool. I remember uh, one instance in particular, we played a show. It was out in oil city. If you're familiar with oil city. Yes. It was they they do like a an annual music festival and we played out there and uh after our set this guy this guy is like two people coming up to me a guy and probably some a younger person I assume it was his kid but they were like just I don't like using the term redneck cuz it's it's <laughs> but they they were country okay we'll put it that way you know what I mean they They're were country they were very like you know they weren't country they were country yes like you know denim head to toe flan you know what i mean like just like walking up to me very like okay like 
what is going to happen here? And, you know, I'm expecting the worst just because I'm an idiot. But they ended up being like total fucking sweethearts. And they were just like, that was so cool. I've never heard anything like that before. And, uh, you know, it's really cool what you're doing. And then it's like, you know, judging a book by its cover is like such a dumb thing to do. You know, it happened to me yeah. again recently. Actually, the last show that my metal band played um, would have been like it was on like March 11th. So it was like right when the lockdown was happening. It was like, the you know, we played this show and uh, somebody at that show came up to me that was like just like an older looking white dude, you know leather had like a leather vest on looked like a biker yeah like came up to me and he was like so when's the new sykes record coming out i really like you guys i was like what <laughs> like, what is like that's I was, a good feeling yeah no it? it's it was a awesome. really good feeling it's like i it's like I, I i would expect you to be at you know the metal show but that's cool that like you actually pay attention and you're aware of the rap stuff too and that you want to hear it so yeah uh you never know who's listening i guess that's that's the point that I'm trying to make and it's really and cool. And I personally consider it even more flattering when someone who doesn't appear, they like this kind of music or, or even says to you like, Hey, you know, I don't really listen to this kind of stuff, but I heard you and this is really dope. You know, maybe I'll give, I'll get this record and maybe I'll yeah. get this music a chance more. You know, that's, that's a good Dude, feeling. It's so funny because like on the flip, when I first started playing a lot of shows, um, I mean, granted, I don't, it's funny because when I started playing a lot of shows, it would have been like 2008. You know, I was just out, yeah. like, you know, like a, a little bit after high school and I looked a lot different. I had like facial piercings and silly hair, you know, corn, right? You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the new metal era. Yeah, totally. Totally. I, I'm 35 going on 36. I grew up during the new metal yeah. era. So like I was, you know, fresh out of that. And uh, it's funny because now, back then, people were like, you rap? Like, nobody took it serious. Nobody expected it to come from me because of how I looked. Now, flash forward, every fucking rapper now that's popular looks like how I did back then because they all have fucking goofy colored hair and wear skinny jeans yeah, and have silly... refer to, and not to mention, they like a lot of the people doing tra- what they call trap metal, you know, like Suicide Boys, Ghost Man. Yeah bones or whatever anything like that you know they're kind of like you look at them and if you would have saw them in the early 2000s you would have been like Uh, these are straight metal kids yeah yeah i it's 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 honestly really cool to see that that stuff's getting accepted now and that people are listening to it it's rather it gives me hope for like the fact that you can do something that is more extreme and left field and have it be accepted by a wider demographic because there's no fucking way 10 years ago any of those artists could have been doing that stuff and not been getting clowned. Oh, yeah. So it's really cool oh, to yeah. see that, like the acceptance of things like that. But uh, yeah, but it was, you know, back in my early days, it was like, I was getting it from both sides. You know what I mean? Like nobody expected me to rap because of how I looked. And then the people in the metal community, like didn't expect me to be in a metal band because they knew that I rapped. And it was, like, it was like I'm just a fucking person, man. Just a dude. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's I think that's really great that you go from one end of the spectrum to the other because it's like you're not limiting yourself. You know, you're you're trying to do music, but you're trying to you're not limiting yourself to just one specific genre or even one specific type of sound. You're really trying to do as much as you can. Yeah, and I hear that too in your music as well. You know what I mean? From track to track, it just feels like you know. You're somebody that has listened to a lot of music and you're inspired by a lot of music, except pop country. I didn't forget. <laughs> and uh, it shows, you know, uh, it's like, again, it's like those those tacos, right? You don't want do you want to put the same thing on every fucking taco or if you even want to get broader? Do you want to eat tacos every day? Probably not. Tacos yeah. are good, but one day you might want, you know, some fucking fried chicken one day. You might just want ice cream. I don't know. All those things are good. Yeah, pretty much. It's like comparable to professional wrestling. I don't know if you watch it, but it's kind of like the same thing. You know, the idea that 
for years, WWF or WWE, whatever you want to look at, it was like the only thing you could watch. And then other companies came along and, mm-hmm. you know, Vince McMahon was like, well, why wouldn't you want my, my company? My company's the best company. It's like, well, maybe I just want something different. Oh, maybe dude. I just want to watch something else that you, maybe I want to enjoy something that you don't own. Yeah, dude. Like, like is that so hard to like conceive? So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of the same thing. I, 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 again, we're pretty much the same age. So, I mean, you know, we grew up through the attitude era and fucking being dude and then like talking about like ecw like how are you not it i feel like it's impossible to be somebody that's into alternative subculture be 12 years old and see fucking sabu in the ring or some shit and not be like this is the shit dude it was like you're warming my heart right dude it was so like it was so perfect for like because again, it's just like, you know, I'm a little fucking weirdo, you know, like I'm, I'm a good, a good enough kid, but I still like violent shit. I want to see some fuckers hit each other with fucking chairs on TV and listen to fucking heavy ECW metal. ECW was so good, man. Dude, yeah, I remember so stumbling on that at like 1 a.m. in the middle of the night, just channel surfing as yeah. a kid, being like, what is this? And then I start taping it and watching it and then... People don't understand. Well, some people do because I know they have the WWE network and they put some of those shows on, but I don't think some people really understand how mind blowing that was when you were a little kid and oh, you totally. turned on a TV at 1 a.m. and you saw wrestling in the most R rated way possible. You didn't <laughs> yeah. even think wrestling could be R rated. You thought wrestling had to be like, you know, janitors and, you know, plumbers fighting each other in a ring. You know, you didn't know, like, oh my God. The other thing, too, is like, you know, there's that uh, you're a little naive when you're younger and you're still not 100% sure if it's staged or not. Like, you don't understand how it works. And also, the internet wasn't really a thing back then. And I remember how we found out about ECW was we had uh, my buddy Mike had an older brother that knew about it. And he had one of the VHS tapes. And I remember him like we were talking about wrestling and he was like, do you know about ECW? And we were like, no. And like, he has this VHS tape and he pulls it out and has that logo with the fucking barbed wire and stuff. He's like, watch this. And we're like, what? Yep. You know? And then you heard the opening theme music, that opening theme music. Oh dude. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that, and also because, um, that same older brother that I was just talking about was the dude that showed us ICP back in the day so there was also all of their wrestling stuff that they were doing and they had vhs tapes that they had put out with that stuff and uh that was like our our gateway to all of that was this fucking dude and the funny thing about that dude was like he wasn't like a hip-hop dude he just liked weird shit like he also listened to like he was also the dude that was like, yo, you should check out Smashing Pumpkins and you should check out Nine Inch Nails and here's ICP and here's ECW. Like he was just into all this weird shit. Crucial. I was the same way. I yeah. loved Nine Inch Nails. I loved, I was a big downward spiral addict and I loved uh, ICP Riddlebox. You know, it was I, I, same way. Like I got into ECW because I would watch WWF and occasionally WCW and then my one friend says, hey, we're having a pay-per-view party. We're going to watch ECW. It's their first pay-per-view. And I'm like, oh. So that was literally my first exposure to it was ECW Barely Legal. And I went over and there was like 15 people in this room and we're all watching it on this like 22-inch TV. And I just remember like being mind-blown by what I saw. Yeah. And I fell in love with that company since. And that's why if you listen to my music and you hear me make – uh like make the Tommy dreamer reference okay, and, yeah. and they will know now, you know, if you can't tell that how much that was an influence on me, because you know, he's always been my favorite wrestler of all time. And it's definitely affected the way I approach music because his character always was that idea that, yeah, I'm probably going to get my ass kicked, <laughs> but you know what? I'm not going to make it easy for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to walk away the winner, but you're going to walk away limping. And you might be holding the belt up, but it's going to hurt to hold the belt up. And yeah, I'm going to be lying in the ring covered in blood, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk out with my head held high. And a week later, I'm going to walk back to that ring knowing I'm probably going to get it then, but I'm not going to go down easy. And that shit inspired the fuck out of me to this day. So that's why it's like 
you hear that reference in my song or you even hear a song like blood red sunset that's totally influenced by tommy dreamer and the pose or the raven pose of sticking your arms out in a crucified way that's why when i say i'm blood red sunset you know sitting there with my arms spread that's really what i'm referencing (laughs) that's my childhood hero right there that's awesome so hard question this might be the potentially the most difficult question i ask you this entire conversation if you could make a theme song for any wrestler dead or alive who would it be tommy dreamer okay easy easy enough hands down yeah though i may have made it maybe blood, Red, blood Red <laughs> sunset a lot of people told me that yeah a lot yeah. of people told me they said that's like it's actually really fucking flattering that people have told me like things like, Oh, that's my new favorite workout song. Oh, hell or yeah. anytime I'm feeling down, I want to get myself up. I just listened to that song and it's so unbelievably flattering, but it's like, you know, everyone tells me that my music's very visual and I, that's just my style. And it's not something I do on purpose. It's just my style. I tend to be very, very visual. So when I talk about, you know, my silhouette against the blood red sunset arm spread, that's really influenced by my childhood hero, Tommy Dreamer, and wanting to have that same approach to the way I make music. You know what? Maybe I'm going to give everything I have into making music. Maybe I'm not going to make it. Maybe I'm not going to make a dime. Maybe I'm going to spend way more money than I ever make. Maybe by the end of it, I'm going to be all burnt out and whatever. But you know what? I'm going to be able to at least tell myself that I gave it my all. Well, and that's most that's more than most people do. Absolutely, dude. I think that it's important, you know, on this level of being a creator that you're on, that I'm on, that most most people are on this level, honestly. I mean, people that actually make money from this shit, that is, that's a small minority, you know what I mean? It, yes. So, you know, it's not impossible, but keep in perspective that, like, your position is, you're in the the average, and there's nothing wrong with being average. Average is average. You're in the norm. But if you look at humanity as a whole and what people do we're still doing the fact that we're even trying to do this at all is fucking weird so take take pride in the fact that you're even doing this shit that you even fucking have an ep that you can send the links out to and once you get your fucking cds and your cassettes that you'll have something that you can hand people and be like look i fucking did this you know what i mean like it's cool you know and i value this in the same way that maybe somebody may value their fucking six, seven figure job or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't put a monetary value on everything over like personal satisfaction. So I always try to tell people to don't let that slip. Don't forget, you know, why you're doing this and how so much of it doesn't need to rely on like a monetary end result, but more or less just like I'm spending my limited time on this planet where you know i could be miserable being a, a naysayer never doing nothing or i could be you know all fucked up strung out on some shit over here or i could be in an office at the top of some building somewhere you know making a bunch of money but not doing anything with it but just investing it so other people with more money than me get rich off me you know fuck it i'm just making songs i'm down here on the bottom but i'm making songs for people that are also down here with me and i don't know Maybe I'm kind of reflecting yeah, that, a bit on my personal life, but that's just how I feel, you know? No, you you put it so, so well. I mean, me doing music myself is just me also remembering what it was like being a kid. And like I said, I'm not against change or evolution or things moving forward. I'm totally fine with that or with the whole idea of streaming and no physical copies. Like physical copies are just on their way out. But you know, when you were a kid and you went and got this physical copy of a CD or an album because you, it was like it felt more special to you because you could hold it and look at it and realize this was created. And it even felt I think that's why I fell in love with horrorcore even more is because when you got one of those albums, that that shit was underground. It yeah. wasn't available in all the stores. You couldn't just go to this store or that store. You had to go to like the mom and pop shops or you had to actually go to the shows to get it. So when you held it in your hand, it really felt even more special. And it made you feel like you were part of something exclusive Mm -hmm. that nobody else really knew about. And those artists or bands always kind of felt like they belonged to you. Yeah. Like they were your secret and nobody else has them. For me, 
that's the only reason when I try to do music is I try to be able to tell myself, you know what, I want to make something that makes me feel that way when I held an album yeah. like that as a kid, or I listened to an album and it had an impact on me. That's why I try to aim for quality over quantity. And I try to make the absolute best music I possibly can and try to experiment more, try to go maybe a little more out of my comfort zone and try things new just so I can say, you know what? I did this. I had the balls to do it and I'm proud of it. Whether you like it or not, if I'm, if I'm my only fan and nobody else in the world likes this, I'm proud of this. And I can put this in my car and take a drive and just feel feel good about myself. And I think that's how everybody should approach music, especially if you're an independent artist. Fuck yeah, dude. I agree 100% with with everything that you just said. I think that um, it's just complicated because I think there are... Everybody does things for their own reason, right? So there are people that get into this because they want the, they want the fame. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel that most of the time that shit shows and I feel like it's just very temporary. You know what I mean? Like, even if you do achieve it, are you going to be able to sustain it? Yeah, very much so. And not to mention the fact that I feel like no, I'm not just speaking about horrorcore, but any kind of subgenre. I feel like they've also suffered, too, in the sense that nobody really buys physical copies anymore. So there are artists or bands out there that don't have the mentality of like, hmm, why should I put this much money into doing this when I don't know if I'm going to see that money back? Yeah. Or if I'm going to take a loss, why should I, why should I do that? I'd rather Dude. just spend this much yeah. or put this much into it because at least I know I'm not going to take a loss. I think if more people were willing to just give more of themselves and be more accepting of the fact like, okay, maybe I'm not going to make money off this. Maybe I'm going to take a loss but I'm going to feel better at the end of the day. And maybe I'm going to contribute something to this genre or this scene that I yeah. feel has helped me so much over the years of my lifetime. Maybe I'm going to contribute something to it back and do something for someone else who was like me, who, when they hear my record, you know? So it's like, I think if, I think if more people had more of that selfless attitude, a lot of more of these underground scenes would flourish, but you know, you can't, you can't change the way, you know, things go, you know, it, change and evolution is inevitable. Nothing stays the same forever. It's just, it's just the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, you know, we're all on a, we're all on a time. We're all, we're all ticking time bombs. You know, we're, we're all going to expire sooner than later. And I feel that it's important to spend the time that you have here just doing what you want to do. And I try not to sweat up so much about like, you know, how much money I'm putting into something. Obviously, I don't have infinite amount of disposable income. I got it. You got to be somewhat business minded once you get to a certain point with the shit thinking about how much money Absolutely. I'm going to how yeah. much like how much am I going to spend recording? You know, what can I you know, what can I sacrifice here to make up for things? But it's just like you work through that shit and just keep doing stuff. I feel it, you know, don't let that stuff get you down or get in the way of what you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, I think that it's it's different for everybody. There's obviously, uh, you know, like some people, I always like talk about, uh, say like, if you're, if you're end goal, right? Because what we want to do is like we're underground motherfuckers and what we're trying to do is music for underground people. So it's a lot easier to achieve. But what happens yeah. if you're genuinely like, I want to be the next Taylor Swift. I genuinely want to be the next fucking, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, Justin Timberlake. Like that's who the fuck I want to be. Or I want to be the next nickelback if we're just gonna throw some you know like huge stadium band how do you get started it's so much different than like oh okay well we're doing underground diy rap shit so you know we could play bar shows we could play small clubs and do that sort of thing and because that's where our people are but like what do you do if you're the you want to be the next fucking taylor swift you know do you try to like headline the rib fest get on the regatta i don't fucking know how this works it's like a whole different world i feel like it's like it's almost like with that sort of mentality of things it's like you almost need to like 
come into it with a certain amount of money and like ready to like hire people on and publicists that'll get you. I don't know. It's an entirely different market. It's like um, it's I feel like it's easy to put it all into the same pot because everybody's doing music. So you can feel like, oh, you know, why am I not as successful as artist A, B or C? But most of the time, I feel like those artists just have a completely different background in terms of like how they're approaching marketing and playing shows and things like that Uh, to me i mean the the one benefit of streaming is that word of mouth still exists you know the word of mouth is still there i remember when myspace was around and myspace was popular in like the late 2000s you know you had the music pages and you could have them artists who blew up you know, from word of mouth and people going around and talking. And then, of course, you had SoundCloud, which, you know, artists were getting on SoundCloud and all of a sudden sharing it. And then they blow up to a level where they're actually making music and touring. And yeah. Even look at, or you even look at X. I mean, he made that Old Town Road song for fun. Yeah, that shit is wild. Worldwide, global. Honestly, you know, I mean, you could make a song on some kind of streaming platform. Unbeknownst to you, it can it can just blow unexplainable way. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's incredibly hard to win the possibility is always gonna be there no matter what. I think that the important thing, if we're talking about um say a Lil Nas X, for example, goofy song, done for fun, but undeniably unique himself and it just caught on because he wasn't trying to mimic other shit that was going on it was like i'm just gonna do this this is me and then it just fucking blew up and i feel that that is a a a very powerful example of just saying you know fuck the rules do what you want to do because you never know even if to me like if you would have told me two years ago that like the biggest fucking rap song of 2019 is going to be this like weird pop country mashup. And then fucking Billy Ray Cyrus is going to be on it. I'd be like, okay, I doubt it, but yeah, no, it happened. <laughs> it happened. So I yeah, take, take, take those chances. That's the whole a. So truthfully, that is the one good thing about it is because you do have that word of mouth that still exists. I, I had heard that, that that song like blew up off TikTok. All right, did you hear something similar to that? Yeah, it, that's how it all started. That's fucking nuts. Do you fuck with that app at all? Uh-oh. I think you might be cutting out. I think you're dropping out again, man. Am I? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we've definitely hit our hour at this point anyways, so... We could probably try to wrap shit up. And like I said earlier, dude, this isn't going to be the last conversation that we ever have. But I think that we got a little bit of um, your background, a little bit of your inspiration, why you're making your music, what your music is, where people can hear it. And that's just kind of what I wanted to do because I I want more people to find out about your stuff and whenever we're able to leave the house again, I I want... I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I want people to go out and see you because I, I think that it's awesome that you're doing what you're doing and it's awesome to meet you. And I really look forward to fucking uh, getting to shake your hand when it's okay to fucking shake hands again. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh man. So um, before we uh, cut this off, is there anything person that- too, man? Dude. Yeah. Before we- I really enjoyed it. Before we cut this off, is there anything that you want to say to the people? Uh, just, you know, like I said, my name's Labyrinthine. My EP, Pennsylvania Guy, it's out on all streaming platforms. You want to listen? Hopefully, maybe there's a. You know, you never know. So hopefully, I make something now or in the future that you might enjoy. Fuck yeah, dude. I really appreciate it. And we're going to do an outro. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. One more time, Labyrinthine. Good to meet you, dude. I'm going to cheers you through the fucking camera. I'll be back again 
in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And we're out.